Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another Weed and Grub Spotlight Series episode. We have something to ask of you today. We submitted a panel for consideration at South by Southwest 2020, and part of our panel being selected is by people voting for it. So would you please check out the link in our show description for this episode and vote for our panel today? It only takes a minute. Our panel would feature the incredible Open Mike Eagle, Ron Funches, and Laganja Estranja for a discussion about the role of art in cannabis advocacy, and we're so excited about the possibility of bringing weed and grub to South by Southwest. You can check out the link in our show description or go to weedandgrub.com or check out our Instagram and Facebook for more info. And we're really hoping you'll go and vote today. Uh, thank you so much. And now here is today's Spotlight Series episode with Chef Holden Jagger of Altered Plates. Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you, guest? Guest as well. Hi, Holden. (laughs) (laughs) You were just saying how you were in New York for 12 days. Let's just get into it. I was in New York for 12 days. I I cooked at the James Beard House, and um, in, in any time in my life, it would be the most unbelievably ridiculous honor to be able to just, like, tour that space, Um, but given the fact that I was coming in under the pretense originally of doing a CBD dinner. It wasn't the first CBD dinner. Um, Gabe Kennedy and I can't remember the name of the chef. Uh, Gabe Kennedy's was Plant People, and he was able to get some of his product in there for an educational CBD dinner early last uh, or late last year. Um, and I, but we were going to go in and sort of do kind of what we do out here in California, which is like these multi-course. Each course has a different product. You know, you showcase the brands, you showcase the portfolio. We, we do this. Like, and cook delicious food. And cook delicious food, yes. Um, but it was going to be very integrative, very different, you know, different ways of, appli- of, of applying uh, cannabinoids and, and, you know, something we do with our company, Altered Plates. And by, by saying we, I mean um, my sister, Rachel, um, and myself. She is my business partner. We cooked at the James Beard house and it was, it was an awesome success, but I didn't get to do cannabinoids there. I didn't get to talk about, uh, the thing that I do for a living. I got to talk about, uh, terpenes and I worked with true terpenes and it was super, uh, interesting to be able to bring this, this very common thing, which, cause terpenes are everywhere. Terpenes are, um, in food and plants, the color green that you see in a leaf is actually due to a terpene. Um, it's, it's sort of like the essential oil to some degree. Yeah, right? in, a, in a sense, the aromatic profile. It's the aromatic profile of, of most living things. Sixty percent of all organic matter possess, possesses these things. Mm-hmm. So, as a human or a living thing, it's sort of your, you know, it's like four of your senses right there, including sight, because of uh, the only. And I mean, I I, I researched it uh, recently, where I was like, is is there anything terpene that's like relatable or responsible to to hearing? And I think I did find one. So maybe. Whoa. So it is. It's all your. You know. It's all your senses. That's it's, really you neat. You know, like it's 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 touch because, you know, the greasy feeling of of some of these oils and like there's there's a pine sap in its purest form, 
is basically pure alpha pinene. It's pure terpenes or other other pinene uh, because of, of oxidization and stuff like that. So getting to talk about this stuff that's so common, so central to food that is only being made cool or interesting through cannabis. <laughs> mm. Right. You know, like, like no one was talking about terpenes until weed f- fuck, infusions. I mean, I've been cooking, I've been cooking my entire adult life. I've, I've always thought of like, how was, what's the when and the how? And like what you, you, you understand why like a souffle souffles, you know, like we have molecular gastronomy is like really focused on the like functionality of cooking, but like it sort of doesn't really delve into like, you know, we, we, we deal with concentrations of flavors. We deal with that, but like flavor at its base element, you know, you look at a, um, you look like at a spectral analysis of, of a cannabis, you know, test, right? Where it shows all the, the THC levels. If they do the one for terpenes, you see this like spiky graph, right? And those are all the, the points that it's hitting um, in the different concentrations of these different terpenes that create this complex smell that we can re- that we use food, rosemary, uh, all the things that we talk about in kitchens as aromatics. Lavender. Lavender, right? right? But and like so you look at lemon, right? Lemon is like brightness, right? When when in kitchens, like that's the like cool thing to say when you said instead of saying the dish needs fucking lemon juice, like <laughs> you're like it needs brightness, right? So you mm-hmm. say that and you're pretentious and you say we chef and everything's swan around you and you're just like happy as happy as happy as can be right we chef we chef um, so like so you have these you have these very small things that build to this complex thing it's like the second most prevalent terpene in lemon is linalool so you have limonene which is in cannabis we talk about is bright and expressive and makes you have and you know these energizing experiences and then we have linalool which is like the big bad like Couch lock, sleepy, sedating, relaxing, you know, that and myrcene are the two that, like, make you kind of just, you know, feel feel at peace and at ease. So, like, those two flavors, you know, those two complex aroma molecules, scent molecules, flavor molecules, in, in juxtaposition with each other in this thing that we look at as, like, oh, it's brightness. It opens your eyes. You can't say the word bright without opening your eyes. You know, okay. Wow, I've gone like really far. Oh, I'm about to bring it back to James Beard, but I wanted you to like break down why why you deserve to cook at James Beard. And I think hearing what you're saying right now is not only because I've eaten your food, so I know it's delicious, but your extensive knowledge about cannabis is James Beard worthy. Sure. Michelin worthy. Wow. Because I want to, you know, actually, you know what? Screw the Michelin. No, why not? Grab a star. No, no, no. But you know what? James Beard gave it to me, and I'd be, I'd look, I didn't even know what Michelin was till like I started like working for places that were like, oh, we're going for Michelin. You know, like it didn't, it wasn't. I want to get back to James Beard, I knew. Mm -hmm. I want to get to your pedigree later. I want to talk about, but you sound almost disappointed in doing terps at James Beard. No. When it seems like there is no more eye opening education for that house than what you just did. I I was not disappointed in, in, doing terpenes actually in in retrospect in hindsight like much happier with that that i put forth because i know far too much about the science of putting cbd in food and like if that's what that dinner would have ended up being like like you know there are far better applications to adding cannabinoids to dining experiences and i i, I deal prefer uh, you know primarily in pairings so yeah, we deal with pairings. One thing we did do at the James Beard House, which is a first, was we worked with Hudson Hemp and we 
well, first thing, when the guests uh, walked in through the James Beard kitchen, there was a few flats of hemp sprouts that were sitting there. And we made a sprout salad with hemp sprouts and all these other amazing, delicious sprouts that we got through uh, Copert Cress. A little shout out for them. They were very nice. Um, and um, it was it was a tasty little thing. And putting putting hemp, not for any of its psychoactive purposes, simply for the purposes of this is an ingredient, this is a vegetable, it's a seed you can start, and you know, just like you can eat a corn sprout or a arugula sprout or a alfalfa sprout or any of these these other things, put it in that same sort of category. You know, it's a beautiful garnish, but it's also nutritious. It has high protein content, and and you know, it's it can taste better than kale sometimes. Fatty seeds, right? Fatty seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the seeds are those are a whole other side, but I like you know, I've I've spent a lot of time incorporating the vegetative aspects of the plant pickled male uh things have i ever done those for you guys that's pickled male hemp pickled male uh so i take the 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 pollen sack the before it opens and releases the pollen like when it's plump and i i salt cure it or i pickle it and make a little fritter out of it and we can you can fry it you can um uh, pickle it serve it with like on top of a, an oyster or oh my God. And it has this like this like string of uh string of pearls sort of uh you know look and, and texture it's, it's, it's a nice little thing and uh, it's uh, it's one of the unique things about getting to start your own seeds and, and grow pot uh, as a chef, and you know it's it's one of the, the 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 unsung hero of cannabis as well. I'm a big I'm a I'm a pro male cannabis supporter. We can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. don't throw those guys away. No, they no, serve they're a purpose. very important. First, first and foremost, like if if the male wasn't there, we'd have some seedy ass pot. Yeah, because it would just all be up to these girls, and we wouldn't benefit. Wait, break that down though. So, so if because essentially every plant would be a hermaphrodite, it would have to self-pollinate itself. Oh. So the separation of these two plants has actually benefited us. And 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 and, and in a true um, plant sense, I'm gonna nerd out a little here. Yeah. Um, true plant sex is is a very weak sort of uh, you know thing genetically. Mm-hmm. Very few plants have these true sex uh, different sexes amongst. Uh, their their physiological sort of makeup and genetic uh, makeup. It's it's not really like this really strong defined thing that you have in you know other animals and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Most plants don't have the male and the female. No, like no. The I mean, you look at a flower; it's basically got both things sitting right there. makes it, makes its own little fruit, and you know moves on with its life. Right. But you when know, you're one stop shop. But when you're going seedless pot, you need to remove the males so they don't it's pollinate the females. Sensimilia, right? That there's means without whole, there's a whole category of music associated with it, right? Sensimilia, yeah. So um, how did you? Okay, I don't even know where we? to start. Yeah, well, there's so I mean, many places there's, to there's, go. Come on, timekeeper. Oh, the places we? will go. Well, I I mean, one thing that I think wets my whistle and gets me a little food horny is hearing what your menu was for James sure. Beard. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So starting off with the. Um, with the uh, the little sprout salad from Hudson Hemp, and um, we we worked with Coppola Wines, and uh, we got to do some amazing wine pairings. We worked with True Terpenes to sort of do a differential um, terpene pairing. So we'd add terpenes to the wine after they did a taste, mm-hmm. and sort of people let people add it as a spritz. Well, we add like a drop. We should have probably gone even lower. You know, those are these are things that we're learning as we're driving the bus down the road. But like, it's amazing how it changes the entire. Because it's not just the added terps, it's how those other terpenes are playing off of the other aromatics that are in the wine already that you're right. already getting. It's like drinking orange juice after you brush your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll hopefully a little more. Uh, 
I mean, I'm sure it was better than that. But like, just how weird things interact, yeah. right? Like, it's just an amazing. Just play it, fuck around with your palate. Yeah. You know? Like, go in there and just like have a good time with it and just be like, screw you. My, my, my. All yeah. right. So, you're pairing the wine. Pairing we have a hemp wine. salad and we have Sophia so or we have Coppola we, wines. We, I don't, I would not be the one to remember all the wine pairings. Rachel is much better at that. I can tell you the food. Let's get foodie. Um, so, I did a, uh, we did the sprout salad. We did a, um, pea dish so it was a spring peas um i had some snap peas that we blanched and then we did uh a like english pea puree mm. and coconut gremolata which is a Ooh. fried shallot oil that i then toast uh like large pieces like the, the bigger unsweetened co- coconut in uh, a bunch of tarragon chives uh mint back in with that sh- shallot oil it's got like a really nice just herby mm. sort of deliciousness and then a bunch of nasturtium and some puff, puffed amaranth. Amaranth is one of the grains, like one of the original grains, right? One of the ancient right? grains from Mesoamerica. Mm-hmm. So it's a pre-Columbian, how do you say it? Pre-Columbian grain. Mm-hmm. So it's something that they were growing like quinoa and stuff like that. So it's like nutty and kind of... It's, um, it's amazing. It has, it pops like popcorn too. It's like bite-sized popcorn, like tiny, like microscopic popcorn. It's really cool. Wow. And it looks really pretty. So, pretty. So you have this pea puree and you have this mint and you this, have this terracotta yes. and you have this oyster. And, and, and these perfectly blanched peas. So it's kind of like a spring pea dish um bright greens all around bright greens just something nice and and you know kind of seasonal Mm. i was actually a little early on peas out there in early on (laughs) may oh no (laughs) like the the seasonality out there kind of the east coast has had a they they got whacked this winter too i mean it was it was like wow man it's still cold out there yeah and like in california you I've, i've spent most of my career getting stuff that was like Santa Monica's farmer's market, like, it's year-round bounty, like, it's... it's. I'm from Newfoundland, and we get, like, seal and potatoes, and it's basically <laughs> it. Like, it's still snowing where I'm from, so living in California, like, the breadbasket of the world You're is like, just... It's, what, I was, I'm like, what's an artichoke? What are you talking about? Avocados oh on God. trees? That's crazy. I, I think I skipped my first course. I think I went ahead. I did the first course I did... What was it? Seal? No, <laughs> that sounds good. Never had seal before. I think you'd, it would interest you. I think I it's thought, like a really interesting. I could I could um, get down on dark some rich seal. meat. Yeah, dark and rich. Mm-hmm. All right, so I had a uh, a carrot and tangerine soup Ooh. with a smoked parsnip puree and a little Spanish hand chip that you bake in the oven until it gets really crispy. Have you ever done that with like speck or anything like sure. that? Sure, it's, it's phenomenal. It's really good. Mm. And uh, I made a terpene honey. With clementine, so an actual varietal from true terpenes that um, I added in. And i it's kind of inspired by something that I make out here of the garden. So I'll take fresh um, fresh flowers right off the right off the plant at the peak of ripeness in, in the fall, pack it into a jar, take just the water leaves off, and pour uh, honey all over it. And I'll let it sit for like three to six months. I'm trying to imagine... With this puree, like I can almost picture it. I can almost picture how you would almost plate it with mm-hmm. like the honey around, so it like was on, on top. No, so I did it on one corner, right? So as you ate so down, that's, okay, this is interesting. As you ate down, the flavor got concentrated, and actually the soup sort of changed. And the soup is like bright orange, but the way that the tangerine comes in, it like sort of. It's like a mind trick because you expect it to taste a lot more like carrot than it does. It tastes like way more like tangerine because you just make this like amazing uh, like carrot soup basically like nothing in it except for some onions. Sorry, I got the no, wild hand gestures. <laughs> um, and and it and it goes and it you know as as you eat down to it, it's like that clementine honey comes in on the side and sort of you're eating this much more astringent, much more like 
citrus focused thing that started off with like these, you know, parsnips really earthy. It's kind of in that carrot realm. And, you know, like those notes really sort of change. And then you have the fatty um, richness from, from the, the, the bacon chip or the, I mean, the, the ham bone chip to sort of cut through all that astringency. Getting your body ready for the rest of the meal. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the first course. And then we went into the pea salad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we did my favorite dish, which is something I've been playing around with for a while. It's my duck carnitas dish. So I confit duck legs. <clears throat> and I do like sort of a Thai spice with that. Like uh, allspice, uh, star anise, um, cure it, brine it, and then um, confit it in, in fat. And then... Uh, pick it apart, pull all the bones out, um, take skin and all and everything. And I kind of put it into a mixer and I beat, you know, it's kind of the way you would make like a riad or something like that. You can, you can make these like pâtés and stuff like that, uh, through same sort of technique. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, I press it between two sheet trays. So it sits overnight, like sort of compressing and all the fats congeal. All the you putting skin, it in the fridge? And I put it in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. And all the fats congeal and like, you know, like it sort of turns into a big cube of duck. You know, I like some people like, Ooh. this is sort of some of the stuff you don't want to see behind the curtain. I mean, it looks less than appealing for some, for some people. I mean, pate doesn't look no, great, but it rarely you... does, especially like right out of the fridge. But, but so that you can do like two days ahead too. And mm-hmm. it can really like, if it's the longer it sort of like congeals and firms up, the better the, the texture can be. Because what you're really looking for is like this, this like custard sort of feeling that comes out of it. But it sears really, really well because all these fats that are just like all over it. So you can pull it out, cut it into cubes. I did this. Um, it's like a. It's it's more of like it's less of a mole. It's more of like a peanut sauce. So I would call it like a tomato mix. Like it's it's a it's a mole classically, but it's very heavy in the peanut flavor. It's got some roasted tomatoes in it. Um, it's not really heat driven. It's not really chili driven. It's really like cacahuate. Like it really wants to be very very peanutty. And then um, I did that with uh, a catija cheese and a salsa verde. And so it's like this little... On like, on like a little arepa a, kind of thing? So no, it's like, so you have this cube of, of the duck, mm-hmm. and then you have the mole sauce, the salsa verde, some crushed peanuts okay. over the top, and the catija cheese, and it's like, it's really great. I, I like, I've been working and working. I did, I did it in a tamale for a little while. I did it like with this other technique where I cook masa like uh, polenta mm-hmm. and tried it like that. I think you probably had a, a, uh-huh. a time or two I do that. That's interesting. It's my masa polenta. It's one of my yeah. favorite little things to play around with. Cause like, it's good because it sops up so well. Yeah. So, so how then, are you playing with terps in that one? That one was in the wine, the aromatic pairings. And this is where we actually started taking the Hudson hemp flower that they had grown in their greenhouse. And we had three courses that were paired with an aromatic um I think this one was their cherry wine or something like that. Or Oh, ducks and cherries? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it just had like, just here's a jar of cannabis mm. on the table at the James Beard house. Like that was like, for me, I think the biggest impact is having three pairings with, with wine put on that same sort of like, you know, in that same space, like treating it like that. One of, I came up with a brilliant thing that day where I was like, oh, you know, Rachel, you should really mention that you can't touch wine or you shouldn't, you know, like, you mean, you, you can touch it, but you can't like pick it up and feel it. Like that's a totally different like thing that we can pair with uh, and play around with, with cannabis. I think that that's something that's cool. <laughs> so you just have me imagining people like pouring wine into like, the palm yeah, of their know, hand like- and like... <laughs> 
<laughs> like <laughs> the way you play with accents. that bud because it's it's so fun when you get handed a frosty bud and you're asked to like squeeze a little bit yeah. and smell and, it and, and look at the and like it sort of amplifies the sense and yeah. like yeah you get a loop and you yeah. like look at those frosty glittery yeah. you know it's so cool you're making me think about how i remember years and years ago i was talking to my dad about how i was against hunting and he was like well hunters are the stewards of the land they actually serve a very important role in preserving lands and you're just making me think like you guys are the stewards of the earth the stewards of the kitchen are the people who are actually ensuring that we're all going to be able to eat yeah down the road no because you're paying like attention to anyone that's like that like obviously we shouldn't go there but anytime anyone mentions that we should have a tariff with mexico they should really think about the food that they eat because like the most important thing about national security is feeding ourselves and our food system is so interdependent on our neighbors that it's you know it's insane and, and people don't think about that stuff and chefs are not disassociated from where food comes from you know i mean i'm, I'm reminded of somebody freaking out on twitter about somebody finding a bay leaf in their burrito at chipotle because god forbid <laughs> a leaf a leaf a like leaf. they were can mad about it? it can you believe they put a leaf in my food how dare you how dare you <laughs> You know, like w- extra lettuce. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. come, come on. Yeah. Like people are not. People really are mad when their food has a face. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, dessert. Um. No. Or second course. Second. Second main. And, second and main. What a flex. So, so I know. I know you went to Jack in the Box. <clears throat> after I fed you the first time because it was a plant-based meal and I did what and I did listen I am a listener you guys you guys keep me you guys keep me company on a lot of uh, my solo road trips and, okay. and hour-long trips when I don't have the kids in the car and stuff like that so <laughs> I, I mean I try to not listen to Mike and just listen to, to Mary Jane talk about food usually it's like, that's a better turn, call turn the bass up and just oh god it's just so beautiful she gets so many DMs about it's, her voice talking uh, about food I'm happy to talk about food I, I all don't day like, long I don't think I like ASMR. I, I actually really don't think I do because mm. when we were at the hotel in New York, they had this like, you know, you know when you turn it on and it's like the little th- screen that comes up and it's like, welcome to the hotel and oh, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And they had these two girls doing ASMR in it and it was like, it was... What jolts. hotel were you staying at? Some, it's York. a dungeon. It was this <laughs> underground hotel. It's, uh... New York's got all, you know, they'll turn it's anything It's actually a brothel. It. It a brothel. Um... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I like ASMR, but I could definitely listen to you just oh. describe food. Well, thank you. I um, love talking. So about knowing it. that I've definitely left people unfed. Mm. We did go to Jack in the Box. Was it? What did you go to? After the flower and flower dinner? No. Was it flowers? Was that what it was called? Or the civilized and candescent yeah, yeah, well, I mean, situation? Mm-hmm. I don't remember actually. Go well. Mm, I can't say. I can't. I, I. But I do remember that dinner so well, and it was. So it was good. I mean, it was vegan wonderful, too, but it was plant based. based. So it's, yes. it's you know. So I. It was because it, and this is like full disclosure. Um, I did go get fast food afterwards, yeah. but it was because we were driving from Malibu. It's far. So I didn't eat the whole meal because I didn't want to drive. On oh, a bunch of edibles. The, the oh, because we were, yeah, because yeah. we were getting really was, high. Yeah, yeah so case. like in, in a perfect world, you get an Uber code yeah. to and from those dinners so that yes. you can really it enjoy should, the meal. They all should actually have an Uber code. Absolutely. And, and, you know, especially these big companies, right? Yeah. Flashy guys. Driving, yeah, you know, money. having an edible hit while you're on the road, which Ooh. has happened to me is, I mean, I just like slowed way down and had a very, yeah. you know, a leisurely drive and I was totally fine, but it just was an uncomfortable feeling. Where I just find nervous. the nearest place that sells pastrami and I 
I just like I'm like, you mean, like yeah. loose pastrami driving? Do you do you, do you hand cut here? Is it sliced? Oh, whatever you got. Too many chicken liver. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, to your point. Right, yes, so we I did. Fed, but, I on. fed these people. I gave them a huge honking piece of this uh, lemongrass braised short rib uh, with a tamari cured egg yolk and uh, a lemon uh, a <clears throat> jasmine scented barley. So I cooked barley and I scented it with um, sort of a, a jasmine uh, terpene mm. blend. And then I cured egg yolks in sake and tamari. And What does that look like? Does that mean you're so cooking them? So they're out at room temperature. Um, they can be done in the fridge. Um, they go for about like six to uh, 20 hours, depending on uh, the, the environment. Kind of like turns into a little candy. You know, mm. it's got this little like gelatinous sort of skin, but then the middle is that same bursting sort of thing, but it's also picked up all these sort of flavors from the sake and the and the uh, tamari, which is gluten-free uh, soy sauce for those who don't know. Um, and uh, it's it breaks, breaks into the lemongrass, um, I mean, to the uh, jasmine-scented barley, and it kind of creates that same sort of like, you know, thing you'd get with like a bean bop bowl or something like that, where they, where they get the, yeah. you know, so that that nice custody with uh, really tried to get as much lemongrass into this dish as possible. And this was like um, an examination of uh, neurolidol, which is a type of which is a terpene that's prevalent in um, lemongrass and in jasmine and all these sort of things. And it's sort of this very earthy muskiness that that is in all of them that. You know, you don't really identify as like the bright notes that are in it, but without it, you really wouldn't be able to identify that as lemongrass or mm-hmm. as jasmine or anything like that. Wow. Yeah. It's and then I'm, I can feel my uh, my whole all my salivary glands, my saliva glands just activated. I'm slurping over here. I'm just like, <laughs> you guys want some water? I, got, I have some cups around here. Um, my mouth is water <laughs> right now. Uh, so then I did the uh, tempura donut with lemon curd mm. and oh. Oh, palate cleanser. Um, I made a jicama sorbet, the flavorful, very delicious what? jicama. Isn't it, isn't it full of flavor, right? I no. feel like jicama doesn't have It has no flavor. Oh, okay, good. I was like, are you fucking with me right now? So I made a... It's I like made, biting into a crunchy I baseball. A, I made a jicama sorbet, and then I took terpenes, uh-huh. and I added terpenes until it tasted like sort of this fresh florally sort of thing. I added some osamine and some uh, beta-caryophyllene, and um, put some of this Romulan grapefruit in there. Nice, um, nice. Romulan's great, you know, and just sort of like added added this these these drops until it kind of like came together. Spun it in the uh, ice cream machine. We were gonna canel it, and then I was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so we started. You're scooping, not canelling. We're not. Hell canelling. no. It's more modern if you just sort of throw something together at this point. Anyways, mm-hmm. agree. Um, so we we uh, we we put him out and it was it was really amazing. It was really cool. It's kind of like where I see the applications of this stuff going, where it's like with the right technique. And I mean, using jicama. I mean, that's like a crapshoot. You know, there's so many other ways to make completely flavorless sorbets. Like with where how far molecular you know you can make a cauliflower. Yeah, I mean you can do to. you can do anything, but then you can make it make you can make it taste like cauliflower gratin without adding anything but a few drops of some terpenes or something like that like that is that is a true possibility of like when when the culinary industry gets its hands and understands how these molecules like build the flavors that because everything that you taste is just what you're smelling 
and like such a small of that interaction is actually like occurring on your on your taste buds so much of of what we understand about taste is is really driven by these aromatics and these things that we smell as we eat Mm -hmm. so uh we did the palate cleanser and then we moved into uh this tempura donut that i've been playing around with which i'm gonna i'm gonna really crush i'm gonna see it on your ig i'm really stoked on it um and we did that with some lemon curd, and then I'd made a uh, a terpene sugar. So usually with this, I would take like lemon zest and thyme, and I would throw it in the food processor and beat it all up, sieve out all of all the plant material, and you'd have this like really delicious aromatic sugar. So I did the same sort of thing, um, added some limonene and all these bright, really sort of uh, expressive terpenes to the sugar. We blended it all up and like coated the sh- the, the uh, donuts with them as they came out, and it was powder or glaze. Uh, just, just regular, uh, granulated sugar. Oh. And then I think, did we do cinnamon? No, I don't think we did cinnamon because it was just so like, you know, usually for, I'd either do lem- like lemon thyme with, with that same sort of technique or we'd add a bunch of sugar, uh, a cinnamon or, or ginger or something like that. Honestly, like sugars on, and the way the terpenes blend and some of them like it's, it, it, it hides them. It makes it easier for them to be palatable because they are so astringent and they're mm. so like, you know, sort of intense on the palate. They're, they're, they're like, <laughs> I mean, it's concentrated. Yeah, it's concentrated aromatic molecule. I yeah. mean, there's there's like toxicity associated with that versus, mm-hmm. you know. Could and some it. of them even have analgesic. Like I'm thinking of clove oil. Yeah. Like they have analgesic properties because yeah. they're so fucking strong. Yeah, you have to you have to be really, you know, sort of. What is an analgesic? Uh, it numbs. Yeah. Ah. If, like if you have a toothache, you can actually take clove oil and like rub it on your gum where your toothache is and it'll help your tooth stop hurting. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Old timey remedies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I grew up in the old times. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what I've also found, especially recently and especially in LA, is a lot of snake oil chefs. What, what you're doing is way more exciting and is way more real than a lot of the food that I've had recently and been invited to have where I'm like, this is bullshit. This is somebody trying to capitalize on um, cannabis legalization and their food is decent enough that you might be interested. Oh, like you're saying like, uh, oh, did you baste that steak with uh, weed infused butter? Yeah. And they're like, no, I just like threw a weed leaf on it at the end kind of thing. And they're not really actually incorporating it into the dish. Is that yep. what you mean? I'm, I'm definitely not a huge fan of throw a weed leaf on it. You know, like I won't I won't speak to the dinners that you're having now. I am not having them. I, but well, I'll say I'll say this. I've gotten the chance to cook my food. Right. That's not why I'm here. It's not why I'm involved in the cannabis industry. Um, I am involved in this because I, I have something to say and I have something to, to share about how I feel about how cannabis plays a role in hospitality and how cannabis can play. I have, I have a vision, you know, like I, you know, I, I have a place I want to see this go and I want to get it there. Is someone going to come along and take what I do and do it 10 times better? I hope to fucking God, nothing would make me happier. Like that is, should I not curse? Are you guys not cursing on the Yeah, fuck? we never curse. So You've please never don't. heard us say fuck. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. No. Is it dangerous? Yeah, it's yeah. bad. This My whole, mom listens. Yeah, this is a weed podcast. <laughs> My and mom we just... does not like it <laughs> when I curse. And I'm like, I learned these words somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I did. And, it, and it, it was before I left the house. I, I mean, you didn't send me off into the world with, without being able to say it. Well, just don't say it here, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut it the fuck down. <laughs> So you have a vision. You have something. To I want. Say. Yeah, we 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 want to we want to see this work. This isn't happening because like a bunch of people want to like get 
other people stoned. Like I just sell pot still. Like right. Like, yeah. This is that was that was way easier. That was way way easier. Like and right. you know like life was better then almost. God. Because you just sling it. Just slanging dope. Man. Yep. <clears throat> Hope you don't get caught. Hope it all works out. Take that cash. Put it in your pocket. Walk away. They write rap songs about it. It's good rap too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. But so so then why. Why make why make my life incredibly more challenging? Yes. First off, okay, because this is not this has not been easy. Being an entrepreneur in any space is not easy, especially like creating something that doesn't exist, and and like something that's federally illegal the whole time. I want to see the farmers who have put us to, to this point get the recognition they deserve. That's like really really like a priority number one because I believe in a craft product. I believe in a product that tells a story. I don't believe in spending 1% of our total electrical output to grow pot legally because that's where we're at in this country. And that's just what we can quantify from what we do legally, really. You know, these guys made the cannabis look, smell, taste, feel, affect you the way that it did. And they did it at the risk of their own lives. They did it at the risk of their own well-being and, and, and their families and all of that, and just as much of, as those people need to to have a voice in this, the people that have been put in jail on the on the other side, on the retail side, you know, because we've been putting shopkeepers in jail for for this plant just as long. I mean, all of these people need to be able to, you know, have their voices heard and and make a living. Yeah, right? and and you know, it's like we're we're not. Small farmers that sell their food at the at Santa Monica's farmers market—they're not billionaires or billionaires. Like the the most the most money they got is the equity they have in their land. You know, mm-hmm. like just because you're growing pot doesn't mean you're like, you know, making lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. And the people that are that are trying to do it the most responsibly are making the least out of it. You know, and those are stewards of the land. Those are people that are like going to their. You know. Do you think this is why you have enemies? <laughs> <laughs> for real for real i don't have enemies no really in a competitive business and we are all in a very competitive business you started at a level because you started cooking so young and you have a great pedigree um people come for you and there you are definitely people's nemesis in Who, a very name, name one name one i is, don't is it your nemesis Mike? Am I your nemesis? <laughs> yeah i'm real angry at you Our, no in the in the in I, this look, world everybody everybody worth their salt has a nemesis and i know for a fact that you i have like, nemesis. you have nemesis there no people I, people like are want I, to be I've you always, i've always thought that people um it's look there's been a, Mich- a lot of michigas on the instagram and i don't know what it's about i really don't it bummed me out. Well, you got shut down. I got shut down. And I deleted the app for a week. I just actually reinstalled it today. Um, it's really shitty to like, you know, it, it's weird because it's like the cannabis community, right? Like that's where it exists in a sense. Like that's where all the pictures of the weed are, right? What else, is, what else are we doing if we're not looking at pictures of weed? When I first started doing cannabis events, like you would roll around and people, you'd, people would call you by your Instagram handle. You know, like people get a altered plates or yeah, or like your like, altered plates. We went to, so we went to Hall of Flowers, Rachel and I, my sister who smokes Sip Saver. She... <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Hall of Flowers and I'd be like, oh, I'm holding Rachel and she'd tell them their inst- and, and they wouldn't know. But they'd know like these farmers in Northern California, they'd know the altered plates Instagram. You know, that's how we like interacted with people like there's business. There's business that I do on direct message. Not like illegal business, legal business in the state of California under under the, you know, Prop 64 guidelines, like 
but just conversations about about things exist on there. So the day after we did the James Beard Chef to Chef, which was the two nights after the dinner, we woke up and the business account Altered Plates was taken down. Um, we've never been flagged. We've never, we never even like, we don't even sell tickets like for our events. We don't do ticketed events. You know, like I said, we work with brands. Brands pay us to, to create content for them so that they can have, you know, a way to do legal advertising because all those billboards you see all over fucking town are not legal. And they are people that are breaking the law and they are people that are like, you'll notice that they're not on like clear channel billboards and stuff like that. They're on like more like smaller ones and things like that. So you'll black market billboards, black market billboards, illicit black market has a bad, um, bad connotation. I'm going to not change. (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) Like I hate learning all of a sudden. Um, Hey, do you guys want to do something? Well, yeah, but I want to talk IG a bit. Hold on. All right. What? Oh. What? All right, what do you have? Miss, that's the question. Hey, dum-dum. <laughs> it's a mystery dum-dum. Ooh. I just thought we do needed to, to like sweeten things is? up a little bit. No, okay. no. Of course. It's I love nice. a good dum-dum. It's it reminds me of getting Ooh. my hair cut. Mystery. Oh, I'm scared. Is it going to be like earwax or something? Do you know it? I think I got butterscotch. I think so, too. Yeah, yours looks like mine. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. But there was like a tropical sort of flair in the beginning. I was like, what did it get? Like half something? Mm. I feel like this is... A- mm-hmm. Okay. Strawberry. So cool. IG mm-hmm. got taken down, and it was a bummer, and we've appealed. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, like, what, what, do I, what am I doing on this platform that doesn't want anything to do with me? You know, that's willing to like kick me off, not give me any warning, delete my shit and uh, tell me and use you as an example and use me as an example and i'm not i uh, that one has 3000 followers like i don't have some massive social media presence so the idea that like they would target me or go after me in any way shape or form it's it's insane so what you're making me think is that james beard goes terrific good um the write ups before and after fantastic the food looked delicious and so, and you a, have other irons in the fire, like you I have do. other big irons in big pizza oven fires. Big pizza oven fires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hot, hot. That people are hearing about. So, so is in in a weird conspiratorial way, this is like a targeted use this person who is climbing as an example until you get so big that they can't touch you like Snoop or something or, like that. Or somebody got real uh, aggressive with the because uh, it should have been them. The report button, you know, those right. are, and this is horrible because now you, now I seem crazy, you know, like I seem I'm, like I'm putting words in your mouth because this is the way I live. <laughs> so I will take all responsibility because Mary Jane's had to deal with me on the road for 30 days yelling was, about this how shit. How was that? I mean, the I'm a nightmare, man. Well, I got shadow banned, which was like, <laughs> who's like, like, wasn't Steve Bannon shadow banned? Am I in that same category of yes. Steve Bannon? Like, come, come on, man. I don't even know what shadow banning means. But. Okay, so that means if you go to my hashtags that I use exclusively. From altered some plates. Altered plates, mm-hmm. Chef Holder Jagger, mm-hmm. Chef Grown Cannabis. That's a good one. Don't you dare steal it. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> some guy's using the altered place hashtags in Phoenix right now. It's moving in on my turf. See? So I've gotten DMs. Mike's not wrong. I'm not wrong. I've gotten DMs. 
um, because I wanted at Mike Glazer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's this other Mike Glazer? And it's somebody who had like one post in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. And the account's just dead. And I immediately got DMs from all of these hackers who were like, hey, I can get you Mike Glazer, no problem. It's like X number of dollars and you send it here and do all of that. And um, give me a week and it'll be done and done. Half up front, half at the end when I do it. And I'm like, holy shit, I could take Mike Glazer right now for a couple hundred bucks and not think twice about it. And now you've got this dude using altered plates and I'm not putting anything on him. He's just using the hashtag. Right, I'm not putting anything on him, but like that's how deep the game can go if you allow it. No, I mean... Look, especially we're in an unregulated industry. It's not like I can go like scream to to any federal organization. The BCC, they're gonna care. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, they're gonna be like, "What? You did an event where? Huh? For how much?" And <laughs> so shadow banning means though. I gotta get this straight. Shadow so banning means go means click on the like, hashtag. If you, if you go click on it, you'll see people that literally have used my hashtag photos that have reposted photos of mine. Mm-hmm. Used altered plates hashtag, but you will see zero posts by altered plates that use that hashtag wow same thing with chef holden jagger was that was the one where it was just like and rachel and, and smoke steps ever got it too i don't understand i just don't understand what we did that like would have raised that many flags you did a really good job of being cool and awesome i guess so yeah now they hate you because they ain't you right isn't isn't that isn't mm-hmm. that it and uh you know if, if the people didn't have anything to be jealous of then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> um, can you talk at all about any of the other irons and fires that you have coming up? Well, I am attached to a lounge in West Hollywood. I mean, this is so fucking huge. Yeah, I mean, this is it. So there's legal consumption coming in West Hollywood. It is. Sorry, I just needed no, to preface for it, it for our listeners who don't know. It's a huge fucking deal. And yes, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 you go. You, you, please, it's, please keep talking. <laughs> only eight licenses, right? So there, there were, were 16 total, mm-hmm. eight uh, consumption for smoking and vaping and eight for edibles. Yes. Right. And we got smoking, vaping, it's smoking, vaping and edibles. Wow. Okay. Um, and uh, the other ones are just edibles. So we, we got a smoking, vaping and edibles, thankfully, because we're also so passionate about uh, flower and being able to tell the stories and stuff like that. So uh, we have um, an opportunity here to sell food and cannabis in the same space um, and have people pay taxes on it, which is massive. Yeah. There's not like so much I can say right now, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I mean, I'd rather pivot because we're going to have to, I could, we could all talk forever. We could. But I, um, but the couple of things that we haven't gotten to with all of this is, one, your pedigree, okay. which is incredible. And two, I was hoping maybe we could do a little bit more like food pairing fun sure, to round sure. it out with like maybe some kind of like recipe game or some kind of my favorite meal is this. What would you do with that? You know, something like that. So if we could just talk about, um, I mean, shit, dude, you you cooked with Colicchio. So I started cooking uh, my first job in the restaurant industry. I was an apprentice at a sushi bar in the San Fernando Valley. The chef's name is Saito. And he actually recently just got on like one of the a list for like the best restaurants in the country. He his restaurant is in the valley. It's called Sushi Note. It is amazing. They have an amazing. They do wine. They do really amazing natural wines and these amazing uh, European wines. And he just has he's doing what he's done forever. He's worked with the best people that have ever worked in Los Angeles. And whatever you say, where whoever you are, whatever you believe in, outside of 
Japan, even though I would say it's even questionable, the best sushi in the world exists in Los Angeles, Mm. 100%. And in the San Fernando Valley, pretty much exclusively. Um, So I worked with uh, Saito, and I would go to the fish markets at at 5 in the morning. I would clean fish. I would uh, bust tables. I would uh, wash dishes. I did one dishwashing shift a week. And I would go home in the middle of the day exhausted. I would pass out for like two hours and I would come back for dinner service. I'd set up for dinner service. I'd stay there and then I'd clean. And, you know, it was literally like you want to be in restaurants. My mom my mom was a cook. Like she was a short order cook when she was in college and like got her way through that. And when she moved out to L.A. at first. And so she was like, you want to work in the restaurant industry? We're going to get you a job for no money and you're going to see what this is like. Mm. And, uh, you know, much to her credit, I was – I you know, actually did well. Mm-hmm. Um, moved back to San Francisco, got a job at a restaurant called Town Hall, which is uh, part of the Stock and Bones restaurant group. I don't know if that's the name of it anymore. I think they lost a partner and changed it. Um, Maybe it's just and Bones? Stock. Stock. Just stock. <laughs> um, Sorry, so, I couldn't help it. So it they, like have, they have a group of restaurants up there, Town Hall, Salt House, Anchor and Hope. Um, and I got the chance to uh, work in pastry there. I actually uh, became really, really good at pastry. Somebody like me who was told that they have ADHD their whole life, um, I became really, uh, really aware that the thing I was lacking was multitasking and being able to do a lot at once. And that's something you can actually really get away with a lot more in pastry because there's so much, um, what's the word? Um, inactive time I guess between baking and rising and like all of these things machine ice cream machine spinning you can time so many things where you're like I'm over here I'm punching cookies and, and I got something baking behind me and the ice cream machine spinning and the blender's going and and the food and the, and the mixer's baking cookie dough and like you can set up your day to just like work like this crazy person and like it was like enough noise in my mind that like I, I just was like head down like not talkative focus like it quieted a lot of the uh the like noise and like i was like oh you know like i'm successful at this so i did well with that when i moved to los angeles i got a job um at craft here in los angeles for tom colicchio it's tom colicchio's restaurant group my mentor his name is shannon swindle he is now the uh executive pastry chef at aoc uh, tavern and luke's wow and um he uh, he's probably made the biggest impact on me outside of uh, my time at the sushi bar. Um, he <clears throat> he has diabetes. Uh, he's a very beautiful salt um, and ginger big gay bear that looks a lot like me, but like Scottish and way bigger. And um, he's an he's an amazing human being. Taught me to appreciate food. Taught me to. Um, stand on my own two feet and like, you know, be responsible, which is a huge thing. Taking responsibility in a kitchen is massive. Um, being, um, knowledgeable outside of technique. So like the stainless steel is not where the kitchen ends, you know? Mm. So like out in the field, out in foraging, knowing plants, knowing farmers, meeting them at farmer's markets. Knowing the person that raises your meat, knowing knowing that they you you grow meat, that it's not something that you know, mm-hmm. you know, like like food knowledge, like and that's that's something that really resonates in in restaurants that Tom runs because he is so seasonal, so quality driven, 
I've know? heard him talk about how it's all vegetable forward. Vegetables are life. It's, it's all vegetables. Yeah. 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 And craft is an amazing place where it's like, yeah, it's a French line. You cook vegetables for six months. You cook mushrooms and vegetables every day for six months, you know, like <laughs> for a family style I was, meal. I was happy as hell to be in pastry sometimes there because I would just be like, I'm learning the same stuff they're learning. You know, like I I obviously had a major interest in savory. I, I've always been kind of the more savory pastry dude. I was I, you know, I have some friends tell me that you're like, you're a much better baker than, than pastry chef. I would never identify you as baker. I mean, as pastry chef, because I am not. Like I make beautiful desserts. I, I have I have a great way to do that, but mine are much less mm, Is that why precious. It, is that how Zagat came into play? Was because got, of that actual uh, thing? So I got Zagat thirty under thirty after I left Kraft. because um, I was running I was a sous chef at a restaurant called the Muddy Leak with another dad who lives here in Topanga, uh, who now lives on the East Coast and he has a small little cafe with his family out there. And I started doing a sourdough bread program there. And I was making 12 loaves of sourdough bread a day running all of like like half of the the mise en place for for the savory side of the restaurant doing all the desserts did a four to three three or four desserts like pars of like you know 20 and up so i was like producing quite a bit all solo my oven was downstairs my prep space was upstairs (laughs) oh my god dude (laughs) <laughs> like it made me into an amazing uh versatile sort of like like there were phrases that that i started to like live off of then like and phrases are something that's like really i've always got like leaned on heavily because like when you're when you're really down and out like pma bud positive mental attitude uh uh, and like I had a f- I really one of the more influential friend chefs of mine, this guy, Scott Graff, who's from, who's from New Orleans, Scott Graff, who's from New Orleans. He would always say PMA, positive mental attitude. And then when things were really bad, he's like, where's your PMO? And that was your positive mental outlook. And so he used to take like pieces of paper and delis and like make these little like things. And we, I don't know, it was, it was the silly mundane stuff when you're like, you know, 70, 65 hours in on a Thursday and you're like, dear God, how am I going to get through this? And, you know, it's like those little, those little phrases. So like, there's always time. And I will say that to myself literally every time I'm doing an event or something like that, because I get like, so the, the pack outs are crazy. Like I hate, this is why I hate catering. Cause the fear of like not having something when you leave or it's just, Oh like, yeah. Every like reality the, show. It's the worst feeling we ever. I forgot the microgreens. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> And then they flash to the fucking walk-in where they are, and it's on the other side of the earth. I mean, I, I know people that have like Ubered, Ubered like a deli to an event before. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take this deli and get it to this address. Someone will be waiting outside in whites and, a, and an apron. And I was just like, all right, get it out there. Um, so you were 30 under 30. I was 30 under 30 at the Muddy Leak. And when I was there, uh, I was doing the sourdough bread. I I got like deep into bread. Like I drove to work with my starter in the car. And I, I mean, it was also- Would you put a seatbelt on it? Yes, I would. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, like I, I, I put it in the, the baby seat and then it overflowed once and I never did that again because I got in a lot of trouble with the wife. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, legit. <laughs> 
So I did that with ice cream after that once, though, too. So, uh, And the baby was in it, right? So the baby was just covered in starter. If the baby can get all the ice cream it wants in the seat, apparently, <laughs> I get any ice cream in there. Uh, so that was 2013. I was Zagat 30 under 30 at the Muddy Leak. And then 2014, I did Maud, which is Curtis Stone's restaurant. It was uh, something that you at... 29 going on 30 are like yeah i can go work 110 hour weeks sure Mm. why not like it was a a lot of work my wife was pregnant with my second kid and um it was intense like literally you go in and you repeat the same day over and over again like it's the repetition and striving to do to to give the same experience to every guest is is something that's very michelin so like that that you know, aspiration of uniformity, that aspiration of consistency and, and repetition is enough to drive somebody who like thrived on the like, you know, chaos of, of restaurants at that point. But at the end of the day, it just became something that we're like, I worked there so much for so long. My wife had false labor. I left work. I spent the next day not going into work. And I was like, I can't do this one again. I called my buddy. I'm like, let me get in a job at Soho. And then uh, I went and I was the pastry chef at Soho House uh, in West Hollywood where Mike has been wined and dined <laughs> repeatedly. People just trying to pick his brain. Pick my brain pick at Soho House. So It is the best place to pick the brain. I think there's also really something to be said for when it feels like it's the right time to try and be a pioneer and a forerunner. Yeah. And when it's and to come out of those shadows because you want to lead and you're leading now thought leader right thought leader thought oh yeah leader. i really Ooh. like that one. <laughs> do I you actually, really I actually kind of do you yeah. know because thought leaders is like you know like somebody's got to think about this stuff mm-hmm. you know somebody's got to sit around and ponder it and understand and like look i can writing's on the wall if somebody wants to pay me to be a consultant to tell them where this industry is headed i can tell you like four things that you won't even think about Mm-hmm. Don't buy acreage in, in Colombia because it doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. It really, really doesn't. Don't be giving this away, dog. Talk it to us off pod. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? This is an off pod Do conversation. You, don't buy acreage in Colombia. Do you think Coca Cola cares how many how many acres you got? You think that? <laughs> you think that? Uh, Seriously. So are we gonna get high now? Or yes, oh, yeah, we this is that. We gotta go, so, man. Well, I guess nobody can find Smoke you. Smoke weed. No. Please follow me at Altered Plates Hospitality on Instagram. Follow my sister, Smoke Sip Saver. Wait, you're at Chef, Chef Holden, Holden Jagger. Yeah. And, and I'm not private right now, so you can follow me. But maybe by the time this well, airs. If you do go private, you just have to accept requests. That's the only yeah, difference, we're not right? Do that. Okay. Pile <laughs> How do I kick people off? Yeah. It's yeah. Just, how do I, 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 might, I might just go close friends. Yeah, keep it tight. Keep Damn the right. circle tight. You can't trust anybody. Yeah. No. Reporting left and right here. I want to find someone to do events that you cook for, but we have to do them in like banana crazy locations so that you are too big for them to shut you down. <laughs> Truly. Like we do it in a fucking hot air balloon, right? <laughs> there's like there's like six hot air balloons 
and it's one long table and one long fucking That's basket. Like, you've heard of outstanding in the field, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah this is this is my expression on a <laughs> straight up. Yeah, right. Strings, hot air balloon. Yeah, we'll call it the highest of highs. Well, I, I still think yes. I still think I still think the weed MacGyver show would be a good one. That'd be great. That'd be a good one. We'll give your ideas away for free on here. Well, you you have the edit power at least. It's true. <laughs> Like we edit it, but then we make it. <laughs> we take it out. Take it, save it. Like, wait, what did you say? And oh, like, you heard it here yeah. first. Yoink. <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow us at Windgrub on Instagram or Windgrub.com. Thank you so shut much. Down. If we don't get shut down. You guys are not going to get shut down. I, I, everybody loves you. Thank the, you. There's no nemesis out That's there really for you guys, apparently. <laughs> Mike says I got nemesis. Yeah. Nemesi? Nemes- is it multiple? Ne- nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesises? Nemesi. And if you out there want to... <laughs> oh, man. The landing. Stick the landing, please. Bringing it home. <laughs> you can follow Who us at all those places. Strug, right? Yeah. Do your best, People Mike. People don't say that anymore, you know? Stick the landing? No. Carrie Strug? Carrie Strug, yeah. Who's saying that to begin with? I, I, maybe me. <laughs> Never caught on. We got Weed and Grub on Instagram. Weed and Grub at gmail.com. <laughs> I, I got nothing else. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.